when you're in love with somebody, you're not in love with that person. You're in love with the feeling you have about that person. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Dream Big, Play Bigger podcast, where we show how we created a powerful and successful marriage after military service. Now, your hosts, AJ and Jessica Richards. What is up, guys? Welcome to episode number 11. Today's episode is Love is a Choice. You don't want to say nothing? <laughs> Hello. I didn't think you were done yet. Yeah, I'm done. You're always like, you always talk too much. I never get to say anything, so I'm trying to give you more space. That's why I talk so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, my problem is I don't ever know when to interject. Anytime. Because you just talk a lot. <laughs> exactly. Anytime, and I'll stop. I know how to do this kind of thing. I interview people all the time, babe. That's true. That's true. You do. So we wanted to talk about love as a choice. Um, many reasons, obviously, because in order to have a successful marriage, I think, you know, we've had conversations uh, shortly after going through everything we went through where we recognized that now we were no longer in a relationship because we were dating and because we were high school sweethearts Mm -hmm. and because we got married, like now we kind of knew, I mean, we went through some really bad stuff that for in reality, we could have easily used that as justification to get divorced. Mm-hmm. And do you remember that conversation where it was mm-hmm. like, hey, look, if we're going to move forward, let's recognize that we are now choosing to move forward. It was the night on the phone when you were at Landmark. Yeah. And told me about what had happened and um, that, it was, yeah, I remember that night. Yeah, so at that point, we were pretty much broken. We are at the bottom. So we gave ourselves permission in that moment to choose each other because neither of us want each other because we care about each other to live a life that we don't love. And so now we're in a place where we get to make a choice. Like in in other words, I know all of the negatives there is to be married to Jessica and she knows all of the negatives there is to be married to me. Mm -hmm. And now we have this situation that kind of gives us an out like, I screwed up. I wasn't happy. You weren't happy. Here's our out. Do we want out or are we actually going to fight for it? And if we fight for it, are we consciously choosing that we're going to fight for it? Yeah. So that the idea behind that is when things got tough again, not because we were repeating the same mistakes, but because life is tough, marriage takes work, that we could stand on the ground that we had a choice to be married. Not There was no other reasons, right? There wasn't the reasons that we had kids. There wasn't the reasons that divorce is bad. There wasn't reasons to stay together. It was a choice. And there's a lot of actually a lot of freedom and power Mm -hmm. in a conscious choice to be with somebody. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. So the idea, uh, a good friend of mine, um, Chris Melodista, he teaches breathing and meditation, Wim Hof. And he was saying just we had a seminar this weekend that – When you're in love with somebody, you're not in love with that person. You're in love with the feeling you have about that person. Mm -hmm. And if you really think about that, that's actually kind of cool. It it gives you actually more power. You're not at the mercy or the whim of your feelings on a roller coaster, right? You, You actually are responsible for knowing that. So 
you're still the same person. You're still Jessica, who I fell in love with when I first saw you in the uh, in the mall, mm-hmm. and then started courting when we were at the dance factory, and then followed through high school, and then uh, stuck it out through basic training, and then deployments, and all this stuff. You're still that person. I now know more about you, and we've experienced things together. But you're still that person that I had those feelings for in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing that had changed over the time was my feelings, not who you were. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so for me, knowing that love is a feeling and then there's a choice attached to it, when things are tough, you're still that person. Now, granted, there are some things in life that show up that can change relationships dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. Drug use, abuse, things like that. Mm-hmm. And that that's a significant change. Um. But now you get to choose if you're aware. So if you're in a relationship where you are not empowered and it seems like everything you've ever done doesn't work, can you choose to love that person? Can you be aware that that's the person you want to be with? Maybe it is one of those toxic marriages or relationships that uh, your safety's at risk or you know, maybe even worse – your life, life in terms of how you live. Like you're going to put yourself in a box your entire existence because of the person you're with. There's those relationships as well. Mm-hmm. So love being a feeling and recognizing that love is a feeling and then you get to choose that, there's a lot of power in that, I think. Yeah, there definitely is because once we do, I mean, I feel like for a long time, it was more out of obligation mm-hmm. because we, you know, we got married, we had kids, and just we definitely f- didn't. Well, in the beginning, it's so easy because when you fall in love with somebody, it's exciting, you know, and and you don't notice the like annoying habits or whatever. <laughs> right. But um, after a while, life happens and ups and downs and and. And just don't have those exciting feelings anymore. So when we had that conversation, it was like, okay, I choose you. Mm-hmm. And me choosing you looks like sticking it out through th- thick and thin. Yeah, which we commit to on the altar. <laughs> we yeah, just don't know yeah. what we're committing to when we commit on the altar. Well, when you're so young and naive yeah, and you're, you know, there's just, it's hard to really understand what you are getting into right? at yeah, such true. a young age, especially, you know, we started dating so young, we got married so young, and we, I feel like definitely part of that was just doing <clears throat> what we were supposed to be doing right? as an LDS couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like either one of us really were, like, ready for that choice, but we just did it anyway so yeah well definitely influenced by environment yeah cultural environment yeah yeah so it was just i just i yeah i remember that conversation it was very powerful because we we both made that choice like you're right and in this moment i'm choosing you and not that everything's been easy peasy since then but i think it was easier Mm -hmm. not throwing out the d word yeah every time we got in a fight yeah yeah and it's like the dirt was out. Mm-hmm. So 
our slate was clean. Now with the clean slate and you knowing who I am, do you still choose me? And you did, and I chose you, and so we've just been moving forward ever since, just one step at a time. And um, there's been a lot of things that have influenced where we are now. Mm-hmm. That, but it came from the choice to be connected, and then you know when there are frustrations between each other, we still have those. We are, you know, there's. I don't believe there's such thing as a perfect couple. Mm-mm. I think there's only continuing to practice. And, um, you know, when we're 30 years married, we'll have mastered other things with each other. Um, but when we do have arguments, we're able to see love as a choice, not this thing that how come I don't feel that way anymore and then now something's wrong because I don't feel those feelings. I think some people think that it's all a fairy tale, like you're going to have those butterflies there your entire life. Mm-hmm. You will still have them and we have them and we still have arguments. Mm-hmm. And in an argument, you don't have to inflate that feeling of negativity to mean that it's hopeless. But you do have to communicate, and that's kind of a topic of every podcast we ever do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, because it's such a huge... It's the key. Yeah. The closer and the more you can communicate to one another, the better, I believe, your relationship will be. Because without that communication, without being on the same page and being willing to see from another's perspective, especially your spouse then you're just going to be beating your head against a block wall. Or you're going to have a spouse who's submissive and miserable and you don't know it. And it will fall apart at some point. We know people like that as well. That they can't see. You know, the thing is we see each other's blind spots before an individual can. Yeah. You can also see in many cases other couples where you look and you're like, man, she is not happy in that relationship. And they're, the other, the husband is clueless or vice versa. Mm-hmm. You can see it. And obviously out of respect, nobody goes up and says, yo, your, your wife is miserable. You should yeah. do something about it. How you, you can't have that conversation. Yeah. It's not your place. But Well, someone could have easily said that to you. Totally. And I'm sure they wanted to. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> people could see it before I could. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the point of that is that through communication and being willing to communicate, If you think things are good, but you've never had a conversation with your spouse, an honest conversation with your spouse, you might want to have that. So what advice would you give somebody if they want to have that conversation, but they're afraid to? Well, you just have, first of all, you just have to be brave because the other part of that is you might be thinking things in your mind that is way far off from what's actually there. In other words, you're making it worse in your head that if I have this conversation with my spouse, um, they're going to react this way. You actually don't know that. Mm-hmm. And if you're feeling feeding that space or filling that space with the negative thoughts, the way you act with them is already being programmed by that anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Our life is an example. I mean, we've shared a lot in these last few episodes, but if I'm worried about asking you to have to make love with me, to have sex with me, and I'm worried about that all day long and it's starting to frustrate me, I'm going to act frustrated and annoyed all mm-hmm. day long. Well, guess what? When it's 
time for bed, the last thing you're going to want to do is be close to me because mm-hmm. I've been acting annoyed and frustrated all day. Yeah, and, and you're if, already putting meaning into that where you uh-huh. don't even know what the answer would have even been in the first place. That's right. So <laughs> conversely, if in my mind I'm living in this space that I have sex anytime I want and I can stay within that thought, then how am I going to act? I'm going to act like somebody who will, you know, if that's something that really matters to you, for me it does, if I know that that's the life I get to live, then I'm going to just be on cloud nine all the time because I'm never going to worry that it's not going to be available. So that could be different for each of you. If your love language is different, if you lived in a space in the, in your mind that, that, uh, you're receiving what it is matters to you, whether it's words of affirmation or um, quality time or whatever. If that's how you lead your life, then you're going to want to provide for your partner as well. You're going to just kind of be in that space. Rather than being negative, you're going to be positive. Well, that will breed positivity in your relationship. Yeah. Your partner should feel that. And if not, that's where you have the conversation. And you say, hey, listen, sweetheart. I've been working really hard in this. I don't know if you've noticed. And I'm feeling like X. That's how you do it. Now, you also have to understand that if the other partner isn't willing to hear it, they can get very defensive. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So that's where guided conversation comes in. Having a counselor can help you guys open those doors if you're not used to having a conversation. In our experience, it it um, a counselor would have helped a lot. It would have helped open the door to conversation a long time ago. We never did it, and so we fought our way here until we finally just gave in. Don't recommend doing it that way. Yeah, but it takes longer. <laughs> it takes longer, and it's high risk. I mean, we almost lost it because we didn't seek that. So we strongly suggest some sort of mediator or counselor to, that you both agree with. You know, there are all kinds out there. We've seen some. And you need to find somebody that you're both comfortable with because if you're not, then another person could be going into that session with a guarded perspective already. And so, you know, it takes time. It might take time to find somebody that really speaks both your language to be open to you. Um, But that's what I would suggest is if you don't have that relationship with your spouse already, then you should find some mediator or some support to help you guys have those conversations in a way where nobody has to feel attacked. But it all will come down to your ability to communicate with each other clearly will determine the quality of marriage you have, I believe. Yeah. So anyway, so love is a choice. I would say that if you're feeling frustrated, look for the things that had you choosing to feel that way and recognizing that it's the feeling you're in love with, not the person. So if that's the case, then how do you find that feeling again? What was it that had you feel that way in the beginning? And that could lead to some insights on how to make a breakthrough in that area of your marriage and to either grow from it or to build from it or to seek counseling. So yeah. uh, next time, I think we'll talk about kids. Yeah, we've been asked to talk about. A few times. Yes. And we hesitate because we don't necessarily have that nailed down either. No, we but, have completely different. Well, I, I think a lot of people do. Like we – you grow up differently. You mm-hmm. have different lifestyle. Right. That's really what it is. Yeah. Each person grows up in a different household. Yeah. And so you come into a relationship with the values you think make a difference. And it's about coming 
to the same coming to the table and being on the same page. And um, it's not easy either, especially. No. I mean, raising kids is hard. So yeah. You think marriage is hard, and then you throw kids into mm-hmm. it. That's just makes marriage so much harder, especially when you have different perspectives or different views. And we have three girls. AJ had no sisters. So him coming into being a father of three girls is... From uh, five boys, oldest of five boys. Yeah, yeah. five boys, no girls. Yep. So he has no clue what he's getting into. <laughs> we have a teenage daughter and... Um, yeah, we, we'll have to get that into the next podcast. But Yeah. Well, and the other part of that, too, it really comes down to this. I think it – I mean, I don't think. I know. It comes down to the stability of the couples when they have kids. Yeah. Because I remember – I remember, um, you know, just thinking that I was the reason that my parents divorced. And I actually know that I played a big role in that. Now, I don't take ownership in the way that I feel bad because I also recognize that they weren't on solid enough ground to handle the curveballs I was throwing them, mm-hmm. right? So recognizing that now as a dad myself. And I, I love my parents. We have a great relationship. We've, you know, through conversation, cleaned up a lot of how things were. My fer- my parents were great. I was just a handful of a child. Well, lots of children are handfuls. Right. So my parents divorced after 20 years. Now, there's a lot going on there, and that's not my place to say anything, but things weren't awesome because they weren't on the same page anyway. Yeah. So the more that you and I get on the same page, the better it is. I remember thinking that my marriage may not ever last, but I will always be the father to these girls. Mm-hmm. So when you categorize a relationship like that, it makes one less valuable than the other. Yeah. That is not right. And I remember thinking that somehow I got that from my upbringing. And I remember my dad saying specifically the opposite, right? So why that's how I thought of it, I don't know. But I know that now my priority is the mother of my children. Even before my children, if I had to put it in order, because if I take care of my mother, the mother of my children, she is my partner. My kids, they have their own choices as they grow up. They will make choices as children, and then as they become young adults, that's their life to live. And I will not let it affect the outcome of my choice to be with my partner. Because kids go do crazy things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Some kids turn out to be criminals. How should that affect my partnership? Mm -hmm. My kids, they're perfect. So that'll never happen. But, but I need to create a foundation with my spouse that as we go through the the rearing of our children, that that is not impacted by the choices that they make as young people finding their own way in the world. And then when we show them that, I think that'll sub- make that sub- uh, more solid for them as they get older. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll dive into that whole thing and how what it looks like at our house, how we do our disciplining and how... I think that they should be dressing and uh, whether or not makeup's a good idea, whether or not earrings ever should be something, you'll definitely find out that I'm definitely a traditional man. Oh, my gosh. Struggling in this world of YouTube and all that other BS that are teaching our kids what to do and and, uh, the dynamics between my wife's views and mine. Totally. I'm just going to tell you right now that we are not on the same page in that area. So, Which is funny. Yeah. Why? Because... You moved out and you're 16. That's right. I know the shit that's on the streets. So, so then to be so <laughs> over 
protective to our kids. It just is shocking to me. Babe, I grew up on the streets. And when I say I grew up on the streets, I mean, she, I grew up in the back of my car. I grew up on a small town, Wait, that sounded small bad. Mormon town in St. George, Utah. <laughs> yeah. <and it laughs> Thought was, he had his shit together. It was so moved, dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Moved out of his house at 16, lived here and there, slept in my car a few nights, I think. Uh, it's, it's just, yeah. So it's just funny to see him so different than when he was a teenager. It's dad life. Yeah, it's dad life. Girl, dad life. Yep. But you got to le- learn to let up a little. Nope. So we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> yeah, we you will. Guys, <laughs> you guys have a great week. See ya.